If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another expert episode today. I am so excited to introduce you or for those of you that are already following her to bring you Eli Rallo. I fell in love with her on TikTok probably about six-ish months ago. The first video I saw of hers, I immediately saved it and posted it on the Breakup Bestie Instagram because she has such a way of breaking things down. She does this series of rules for different things, which are not necessarily like I don't know, rules in a stringent way that we tend to think of them. But, you know, she has rules of how to get out of a slump, rules on things to do on Sundays. And it's not only great for someone who's going through a breakup because you just feel lost and it feels great to have like a checklist of things to do, but it also in such agreement with building self-esteem and doing esteemable acts for yourself. But Eli is here to promote her new book, which comes out today. I didn't know I needed this. It is such a great book for someone who has already had the privilege of reading it. She talks about her rules for being single, for dating, first dates, second, third, and fourth dates, what to do about the talking phase, what happens if you're ghosted, rules for heartbreak. She's just has such a fun and very hard-hitting way of explaining things, and it was so fun to be able to, to talk to her, and I can't wait to share her with you guys. I highly encourage you all to go out today and get her book. I didn't know I needed this. I went ahead and linked it in the show notes, and yeah, enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. It is, it's only happened a couple of times on this podcast where I'm having kind of a fangirl moment with an account that I've just loved for so long and just so grateful to have you on. So thank you so much for coming on and and sharing about your book and all your tips and, and everything. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I was trying to figure out when I first found your account and it was one of your like rules videos. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, I have to post this on Breakup Bestie Instagram because it was for so many reasons. And all of your list of rules are just so good for giving people direction, especially when people are lost going through a breakup, just like 
Hey, do these things. Like so many people going through heartbreak, just want to lay in bed, do nothing. So many people feel lost because they make their ex their entire lives. So they don't know how to spend a Sunday for the first time by themselves. So I loved that. You were the first one to introduce me to the everything shower, which I do every week now. So it's like your tips are just so beautiful on so many phases of life. But obviously, I look at everything through a breakup filter. So how did you start doing these list of rules? Thank you so much for that. It was kind of random. Honestly, I like watch a lot of TikTok. I would say probably like as much as the average person, honestly, but I definitely do it through a lens of like research, like just keeping my finger on the pulse, seeing what's going viral on the app, seeing what's working for people, what isn't, et cetera. And I had seen some people do like rules for bottomless brunch. And I just liked the format, especially because I'm a very listy, listicle type of person. And so I did rules for a first date and that one did well. And then I started to do like rules for the days of the week, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, et cetera. And those ones did really well. So that's kind of like what started it. But I would say I was always making and doing those rules in my own life. And it was just, it was sort of like bringing it to TikTok where where it really like became elevated, I would say. Yeah. And I think the question that, or the the pain point that I think it hits is I'm always asked like how to work on self-esteem, how to build confidence, how to like yourself. I think we anticipate that it's some big breakthrough that you have in therapy or just this huge insight that you get on like a week-long trip to Bali. But really it's, in my experience at least, it's the little things you do every day that really build that relationship with yourself, build a person that you like and enjoy. I always call them like esteemable acts, but taking care of your space, taking care of how you look, how you take care of yourself, like all of that is what I think leads ultimately to having self-esteem. Totally. It's it's in the little things. Yeah. And that's what I think you highlight so well. And I want to kind of go back to the beginning of your journey and learning how to be single. And one thing that you say in your book, which I love, is there's really no wrong way to be single unless you're treating it like a waiting room, which I just loved that term. And it's such a scary thing. People, how do I learn how to be single? So I know it's a long journey that you went through, but can you give kind of a Cliff Notes version of what that looked like for you? Yeah. You know, I think that something that society really teaches us is that like we should aspire to partnership and like our ultimate aspiration should be partnership. And I think I kind of resented that, but also definitely fed into it and like believed it at the same time, because for me, partnership would be nice, but my ultimate aspirations are to do so much more than to have a partner. And like, I hope that I can have a partner and I would love to have a partner if that's like what the universe has in store for me. And I love love and I love being with someone. But at the end of the day, it was so interesting to me that partnership was being shoved down specifically like a lot of women's throats as like the thing that you have to have to be complete and to have it all figured out and like what you need to aspire to. And I was kind of like, why? Like, why is the bachelor glorified? But the idea of being a single woman is like sad, depressed cat lady. Like I hated that. It seemed so sexist and like, honestly, just depressing to me. And so I think when I was like on that journey myself, it was just about like living a life I really liked and kind of asking myself, like, why 
do I have to do what society is telling me? Like, is there a reason why I need a partner right now? And like, the answer was no, I was completely fine being on my own and independent and I was happy and it wasn't a waiting room. It was a time where I was really, really able to focus on myself and my career aspirations and my goals and my passions. And I don't think that being selfish in that way should be seen as so negative and depressed and, you know, again, like sad cat lady, like that's ridiculous. And so for me, it was a lot about, again, leading a life that I really liked. And once I was doing that, it was sort of just like, oh, this is equivalent to having a partner. And if, if the right person came along, I would love to add them into my life, but by no means is that necessary for me. That was really freeing for sure. Yeah. I love that idea of just continuously asking yourself or just challenging the idea of why do I feel like I have to do it this way and realizing that so much of that, while it is very societal, a lot of it is self-imposed. You gave the example of like your final test with being single was to go out to dinner by yourself on a Friday night and, you know, realizing like not everyone was looking at you. And there's that whole thing of like, people know that I'm single. People know that I don't have anyone to go to dinner with. And really everyone's just thinking about themselves at at that time. 100%. It's like, once you realize that nobody gives a fuck about you, like you are free. And like, I know that that sounds so ridiculous, but like really nobody cares. Like when I think about myself, I always say like, if people are like in their own lane, minding their own business, being kind to themselves and others, living their life, that is not my problem. Like you do you, I do me. Like nobody cares about what you're doing and nobody is sitting around. Like, sure, maybe somebody saw you sitting alone at dinner and they thought, oh, there's someone sitting alone at dinner, but they didn't go home and think like, what a pathetic, like ugly, stupid loot. Like nobody cares. Everyone probably looked at you and was like, there's someone sitting by themselves. They're like, oh, that's fun. There's somebody like out to a little dinner with their book. That's so lovely. I wish I could do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so freeing to realize nobody's thinking about you and nobody cares. It's like, you really just like enter into a whole new life after you have that realization. Yeah. I remember the first time someone told me that like, Kendra, no one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself. And it is so freeing. And I know this kind of jumping ahead into to heartbreak, but I get this all the time with people who are like, my ex did this, they followed this person, they did this. What does this automatically mean about me? And I'm like, honestly, it probably means nothing about you. They're literally just yeah. living life and you're taking every single thing that they're doing, looking at, seeing, saying, and making it mean something usually negative about you or giving yourself like a false sense of hope of, oh, they they saw my story. That must mean they want to get back together. So it's like over-personalizing. Exactly. It's like a lot of those things are projections, not reflections anyway. And you are taking it as a reflection, but it's just a fact or, or a projection or something that's happening and like likely has nothing to do with you. And decentering yourself from like all realities except for your own, I think is just a really healthy way to like pursue relationships because you're no longer centering yourself in your ex's story. Like you're only centered in your own. Yes. I love that. I love that terminology of centering yourself in your own life. So what are some tricks that you have? So let's say someone is getting used to the being single and they're, they're just having like a day where they're like, especially like this is airing right during the holidays. Holidays can be hard for someone going through a breakup. Let's say they're thinking, oh, if I had a partner, my life would be so much better or just sitting around moping for the day. What are some of your best like tricks to kind of get out of that? 
I think that I would specifically like kind of feel this way during Valentine's Day, but I, I guess the holidays are also like similar, but I would be like, fuck Valentine's Day. Like, this is so unfair that other people get to be in love and I don't get to be. Why them? What did I do wrong? Why am I being punished? And like, that mindset is actually not serving you. It's not serving anyone. And it's actually hurting you. It's like harming you actively because the universe, number one, does not reward that attitude. And number two, human beings are magnets and nobody's attracted to that energy. Like no matter how we throw it, I'm sorry you're feeling that way. Nobody's attracted to that energy. So instead of why them and not me, fuck them, like get couples out of my face. It's so gross. Like I wish like this is so annoying, blah, 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 blah. Instead of all of that, what about, I can't wait till that's me. I can't wait until I have a partner that I'm in love with to celebrate the holidays with. I can't wait until it's my time to meet the right person. I am really looking forward to that. And now that I've internalized the fact that I feel envy and jealousy, which is not bad, we're just making a fact. I feel envy and jealousy that other people are in partnerships and I'm not. What can I do to work toward being in a partnership that serves me? What are some steps I can start taking? And maybe that's going on the dating apps. Maybe that's asking for a setup. Maybe that's just putting yourself out there more. Maybe that's taking a break from dating, whatever that means to you. What can I do to get what I want? And when you give positivity out into the universe like that, and you pass a couple on the street during the holidays being cute, and you think I can't wait until that's me instead of fuck them, the universe rewards you with positive energy and people are attracted to that energy. And I know it's hard and you have to be super intentional, but our conscious thoughts do become our subconscious actions. When we are consciously telling ourselves we are being positive about this, like we are feeling jealous, we are clocking that jealousy. And now we are deciding what can I do to get what I want instead of like, how long should I like fester in this negativity? Eventually all of that becomes subconscious and you're just subconsciously thriving and living your positive life. And all of a sudden the universe is going to walk somebody into that life because positivity out positivity in it's literally like a perfect science, the law of attraction. And I truly believe in it. And if anything, like that's just a free mindset switch to make you feel better. Even if you don't care about the woo woo and you think the universe is bullshit, stupid, like manifesting all dumb. Even if you think that it's a free mindset switch, it's worth it to try. It's like, it doesn't cost anything. It's nothing. You might as well just give it a shot. And that's what I always tell people. Like, you might as well just try. If anything, you're just going to feel better. And that's like, to me, worth it. Yeah, 100%. I I forgot what it was in reference to, but someone said like, give it a try. If, if it doesn't work, like we'll refund your misery. You know, like if you have nothing to lose yeah. except to be happy kind of a thing. And that's a question I get asked a ton too, is how do I stop obsessing about my ex? How do I stop thinking about my ex? And I'm like, it's literally a practice. Like, it's not something where one day you're just going to wake up and be like, oh, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm not thinking about them anymore. It's literally day to day. You're thinking about them. Mm, I'm going to point out that I'm thinking about them and then I'm going to think about something else or I'm going to think about something that I'm excited about in my own life. Totally. 100%. And I wanted to talk while someone is nav- like navigating this thing of being single, I think we think of single and dating as so binary. Like you're either single or you're either like completely dating. And I think that's why it makes it scary for people going through a breakup. They're like, when do I know it's okay to start dating again? And I'm like, it's not like you're signing a contract of like, okay, yeah. I'm entering the dating world and that has become my life. How do you recommend people 
approach dating while still maintaining the positives and like all the things that they got from being single? You know, I feel like nothing is black and white. Like, I think I said, say this in the book, or at least I've said this somewhere before in my writing, like the shade black and the shade white are are shades of gray. Like it's made up of shades of gray. Like nothing is black or white. So you can decide like two weeks after a breakup, like I'm going to go on a date. And that doesn't have to mean you're back at it again, looking for a partner. That can just mean that you're trying to go on a date and meet someone and break the ice. You can be like actively dating, like in a period of like, I am dating to date. You can be like, I am dating for a relationship. Like it all varies. And the lessons that you learned about yourself when you were single and the person that you are when you're single, that's always who you're going to be. That's you independent of other people. Whenever someone's like, you're my missing piece. I'm like, no, false, terrible way to think about life. You are whole. You do not need someone to give you a missing piece. You are a full cup. Someone that comes into your life should be overflowing that cup. And if they left, you would still be a full cup. You're not missing piece. You don't have that. That doesn't make sense. So the person that you were and are when you are single is who you're always going to be. Always. Even when you bring a partner into that, because if that partnership ended, you would still be that whole person that you were when you were single. So I think looking at it more like that as like a, you're taking this version of yourself into your next relationship and less like I have single me and I have partnered me. It's so much better. And I also think just reminding yourself that you're, you're an individual entity. Like this is a little different, but I was talking to my therapist about the concept of people saying, you know, my life started the day I became a parent and you know, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to this, but my therapist was saying that she talks to a lot of moms about fostering identity outside of motherhood because a lot of moms will say like my identity is only being a mom and then when they when their kids leave the house they go through a crisis and my therapist was trying to relate to something in my life by using this analogy about how she mitigates that by helping moms form identity outside of motherhood i feel like when we say things like my missing piece my other half all of that shit, it does the same thing. It sort of like allows you to form an identity that's like together with this other person. But realistically, like you have a complete and total independent identity. You are a whole being. It is wonderful if someone is in addition to your life and they make your already full cup overflow. But there's no reason to to use that kind of language because the single person that you are and were is always who you're going to be. That's you. That's all you have. Just you. That's the ultimate thing you can rely on is yourself. And that's why I really like make such an effort to, to like myself and enjoy my life. And I think that analogy for my therapist is, is sort of helpful, even though we're not talking about parenting and I'm not a parent, yeah. so I can't relate to that. But she, she was trying to actually like relate to a similar thing that we were talking about. And, and that's what she said. And I thought that was so interesting. Like you have to form your identity outside of your relationships to other people, whether those are your children, your spouse, your significant other, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. And I even remember there was like a trend on TikTok going on about like, oh, I'm so sad I didn't meet you earlier. You know, I wish like we could have spent our whole lives together. And it's like, no, <laughs> not no. absolutely. Like no. I, as someone who is married and has a two-year-old and is due in two months with two more boys, like. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> That's so exciting. It is. It's terrifying and exciting. But when you said like my life began the moment I became a mom, it's like, no, it didn't. Because motherhood yeah. is like, it's obviously it's beautiful, but it's one of those things where if I didn't have the experiences that I had prior to meeting my husband, if I didn't have the experiences, just enjoying being with my husband, if I was just in a rush to like, okay, 
engaged, married, mom, like, and that's where my life began. It would be such a tunnel vision existence of life. I wouldn't be the person that I am today without that either. And I'm sure you wouldn't be the mom that you are. No, not at all. The amazing mom that, and like everything you get to bring to the table as a mom, like is because of your lived experiences and because you honor you as a person outside of being a mom, outside of being a wife. Like a lot of people I think have this idea that they're not allowed to do that. And that's so like limiting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into June's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Since getting sober over 11 years ago, most of my friends don't drink, and last month at my birthday dinner, we were going around the table talking about our favorite non-alcoholic drink, and almost everyone at the table was talking about how much they love recess, me included. Not only is Recess Mood a delicious drink, Strawberry Rose is my favorite, but they also have Raspberry Lemon, which is so good, Lime Citrus, and more. It's made with real fruit, it's only 20 calories, and it comes with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium, so it can also bring me a much, much needed moment of peace. So whether you're like me and are always on the hunt for functional and tasty non-alcoholic drinks, or you're just looking for something healthy to unwind at the end of the day, Recess mood should be your go-to. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Totally. And I think all the things that you learn single, some of the things that you said is like experiment with some rebrands. I love that. And I think that's important. If you can exercise that muscle in how you are single, you can keep exercising that muscle. So that way, like when I went through kind of this identity crisis of 
postpartum, like, who am I? It's like, oh, I can rebrand myself. I can try this again. I can try different things on that feel good. So I feel like there are things that we can learn single and then we can kind of practice when we're dating or practice out in the quote unquote real world that will allow us to figure out who we are as a single person, especially if you are someone like me, I called myself the chameleon, like anyone I dated, I just morphed into their personality. It's like being able to figure that out first is so key. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to heartbreak and going through a breakup, so I just want to say in your book, you have rules for so many, we're like really just talking about the single part, but you have rules for single first date, second, third, and fourth date, the talking stage, sex, friendships, like there are so many amazing things in here. So I'm just really focusing on like a small amount of these. So one of the rules that you have, which I love if people listen to this podcast is the block, unadd, unfriend, throw out their things. I would love to hear your take on that because to me, that's like such a key in going through a breakup, kind of going back to what we were saying about over-personalizing everything if you see your ex's life without you. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So my best friend, Allie, who I write about in the book, who's under a pseudonym that like most people could like very easily figure out which one it is and only under a pseudonym for like the legal necessities of publishing, not because she wanted that, which is why I'll I'll use her name here. I remember when I was going through like my first breakup in college, like she was like really, really pressuring me to do that, to like block and unadd and just like be done. Like he is dead. I was not able to do that. And I now recognize what a disservice I did to myself because of that. You know, I think if you have like a really mature adult relationship and you guys go your separate ways, there's no need to like block and unfriend and unfollow like right away. And like, also like if you have a mature breakup with someone that you could potentially see yourself reuniting with in the future, there's no need to block them. Sure. Have each other's phone numbers. They know where to find you if they have to. But if you have a breakup, that's really hard and you know, it's over, this is done. There's no reason to be in contact because you wouldn't drink poison if you were thirsty. And if you're lonely, you're not going to go back to someone bad for you. That's just not a good idea. It's not going to do anything. It's going to make it worse. You're going to regress. And I do say part of recovery is relapse in the book, what I'm talking about, like getting with an ex and whatever. And I think that that's sort of like, you know, a canon event. Sometimes we can't interfere. But if I had to give you advice, if you're going through like a really tough breakup and you know it's for the best or they dumped you and, and it's over, over, and you know that, I just don't see a reason why you need to be consuming content that they're making and putting online. I don't see a reason why you need to have them on Snapchat and Twitter and and look at their likes and stalk their Venmo. It's going to make it worse for you. And that's like the whole thing about ripping off a bandaid is you do it quick and you're going to be like, woof. And it like hurts at first. And then the pain goes away when you're like slowly ripping it off. And it's like connecting to all your baby hairs on your arm. And it's like literally like agony. That's what happens when you keep in contact with an ex. Like that's exactly what it is. It's like ripping off a bandaid. You just have to do it. And it's going to hurt so bad for the first week. But I promise you the second week will be easier with no contact than it would be if you are still keeping up with them in some way. And so I think that that's just advice that I wish I took sooner. (laughs) 
I mean, same. I like the first time I practiced no contact was the last breakup I went through and it was very transformative for me. I think especially even if it wasn't necessarily a really toxic breakup by any means, but it was just, it's someone that you still want to be with. If you want to be with them and then you're, you're getting access to everything that they're doing and you're feeling lonely, it is, in my opinion, only a matter of time before you reach out to them. It's just, it's like, I use the example of like, if someone's trying to get sober, they don't put a bottle of wine, like at their desk every day. You know, it's like, exactly. Our willpower is only so strong. So you have to set yourself up for success in that way. 100%. So for people that have gone through the breakup of, I mean, I guess this isn't even considered a breakup, but someone who gets ghosted does not get closure as to why the breakup happened. I know you also give some rules for that in in the book. Can you talk about that? Because that's the question is like, should I reach out to them? Should I meet up with them one more time to get my like closure, get my clarity? And I just, I personally don't think it's ever necessary, but I would love your take on it. You know, I think it depends. Like, I don't know how often this happens, but if you're like in a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, partnered in a relationship and someone goes to, yes, you need to like figure out what fuck happens like yes you need to be like hey what the hell yes you deserve to talk to them one last time no you should not give them like any like respect unless they like went through something so horrible and it's obviously like a very specific thing but what I'm saying is like somebody that you're in a committed relationship with or you see very often and you talk to often all of a sudden out of nowhere they ghost you absolutely 100% you deserve to know what happened if you're just seeing someone or you're going on a couple dates or you're hooking up or you're in a situationship and they ghost you, that is a projection, not a reflection back to that whole thing that they would do that to anyone that isn't like, oh, I'm not going to give her clarity or them clarity or him clarity. That's I'm not going to give it to anybody because I don't believe that people deserve that. And you would never want to be with somebody who couldn't give you the human decency of saying this isn't working for me. I'm not interested in you. I don't see a future for us. Ghosting is the easy way out and you don't want to be with someone who takes the easy way out. It's lazy. It hurts people. It's unfair. And closure is a farce. And I always say that, but like the only person that can close a chapter in your own book is you. Somebody else can't like decide when you're done reading the page, like only you can know that. And so going back to someone to ask for closure isn't a good idea because it's only going to get you further away from you turning your own page. Going back to someone to ask, hey, I would love some feedback on what went wrong here so I can figure out what I'm going to focus on while I'm healing. That's fine and appropriate if you genuinely want to know that. But if you are going back for arbitrary closure, that does not exist. I think the only time is like if you're in a relationship with someone, you guys break up and you don't feel like you have enough feedback on like your own behavior or what thing went wrong or you know, what happened and you're going to need that so that you have the ability to turn your page. Fine. But that's a very different thing to me than saying I need a closure. What even is closure? Like we don't even have a definition for it. Totally. And I think, I don't know, at least in my experience, the times that I had done that, it was mainly so I could have a case to argue to get back together with them, to be like, oh, you think this about me? Well, maybe you didn't know this and maybe I'm going to try this and I'll go work on this, you know? Yeah. For me, it was always, if they see me again and I'm like so mean and bitchy and like jaded and beautiful, like they're going to regret it. And it's like, no, they don't, they, they're not, 
You can't change someone's mind. How annoyed would you be if you ended something with someone and you told them why and they were like, I can get them back. You would be like, why don't you believe me? No. Yeah. Like I said, no. So I think that that's the other thing. I always put myself in their shoes now, like as a matured person. And I'm like, if I broke up with someone and I was kind and gentle and I told them why, and I was trying to move on and they weren't banging down my door saying, you fucked up, you're wrong. Maybe I am, but I need to figure that out on my own. I don't need you telling me you don't know how to make decisions for yourself. And I think that that's a tough thing to hear, but that's the same thing that that person would feel as you're begging to have them back. Yeah. And I think we get it from a variety of movies over the last couple of decades. But this whole idea of like, oh, it's so romantic to fight for the relationship you want. You're like, no, that's actually just really disrespecting people's boundaries and like really invading people's space emotionally, physically, all of that. And I I get it. And I, I write about this in the book as well. Like when you are 15 years old and you watch Gossip Girl, you want to be Blair and you want to have Chuck. That is like a fact of life. But that relationship is the most toxic, emotionally manipulative and abusive with poor communication. It is a shit show. That is not how a relationship is supposed to work. But we see the adrenaline and the romance and the back and forth. And it makes for great TV. And we internalize that as this would make great relationship for me. That's what I want. Yeah. And that just like leads us down so many like dark roads for lack of a better phrase. Totally. And like, I think when we don't have going back to the beginning of like not having that foundation of I like who I am, I like who I am. And if you don't like who you are, which as someone who did not like who they are for a really long time, it is just so easy to take on anything that looks exciting or pretty or sexy or anything like that. It's so easy to want to latch onto something like that because you kind of are this blank space that hasn't been filled in by you. So you're going to kind of allow it to be filled in by other people. And worst case, you end up with someone who's super manipulative and toxic and all of that. Yeah, 100%. You're completely right. And it's also the kind of thing that I always say is like, if I told you, like, do you want to spend a lot of time with someone that you hate and take care of them and buy them things and do things for them? You'd be like, no, no. Why would I want to do that? That's a waste of time. If you don't like yourself, it's going to be really hard to like enjoy your life. It's going to be really hard to like enjoy spending time with yourself. It's going to be really hard to want to treat yourself. It's going to be really hard to like want to take yourself on dates or want to put yourself out there. So that's really like where the work starts. Because if I asked you, do you want to hang out with someone you hate? You would say, absolutely not. And it's like, that's what you're doing to yourself in a way when you aren't like loving yourself. Yeah. And I've talked about it on plenty of other episodes, but as someone who has been with someone for a long period of time, I cannot tell you the freedom that I have when like my husband has to go out of town for something. And I'm like, cool. I get like the whole weekend to myself, you know, like I get like an excitement from that when a partner was going away before it it would be like nauseating anxiety of like, what am I going to do? What are they, you know, just all the fears and now seeing it as like, oh, cool. I get to do whatever I want for the weekend. Like, and the thing is you talk about the benefits of that, of being single, like take advantage of that stuff. You get to do whatever you want for you whenever you want when you're single. Exactly. It's not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that I have to consider my boyfriend, but like we also live together. So yeah, I do have to consider him when I'm going out with my girlfriends. 
if I'm going to get home at four o'clock in the morning and I'm going to be locked out or whatever, like you have to consider the other person, they become an extension of you and a part of your life. And that is obviously a responsibility that comes along with being in a relationship. And when you don't have that responsibility, it's sort of a perk. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have to consider somebody else. That's a choice that you make and you decide if that's worth it for you or not. But it's just like, when you don't have that, you're not, you're only considering you. And that's, that's like special. That's kind of fun. Yeah. And I remember when someone told me you will miss that someday and it, that does happen. Like at some points you will miss that. And going back again to one of your rules of like, live your life. Like you're going to find your soulmate next year which is incredible because if you spend your whole life thinking, when is this going to happen? It could happen at any moment. I need to always be ready. I always need to be on the lookout of just knowing like, hey, it's going to happen next year. How would you live your life differently? That I think is such a beautiful distinction. Yeah. And also just, it tricks you into living the fulfilled life that we discussed when we were talking about the holidays. And like, and I was saying, you know, like when you're, it's really hard to be like that intentional this is like a great way to trick yourself into being that intentional. Cause you're like, well, my soulmate's coming in a year. So I'm going to have the best time. I am going to have one night stands if that's what you want or have crazy nights with my girlfriends. And I'm going to go on dates, but I'm not even going to give a fuck like what the outcome is. Cause my soulmate's coming. So it's really just practice when you're acting that way, you will get the most attention you've ever gotten in your life. And you will meet probably the love of your life. Like that's just how that shit works. And yeah. what you're really doing is positivity out, positivity in. What you're really doing is living that like hard to get life. And you're not playing hard to get. You just are because your life is fulfilled because you're focusing on you. And it's just crazy how like I get so many DMs of people saying that they adopted that mindset and then they met somebody that they're now dating. And I'm like, it's, it's really is foolproof. <laughs> Yeah. And it just, I mean, I'm all about relieving yourself of it. Like, I think the world has so much anxiety anyway, any way that you can take anxiety off of you and just find freedom in, in yourself and in the present moment is, is incredible. So the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about was friendships. I know that's like a big, a big thing for you. You've mentioned a few times. Can you talk about the role of intimacy in friendships and like how they can really help you discover you, if that makes sense. Like, I just think there's such mirrors for us. And I know you're, you have like really positive, healthy friendships. I think something that like, kind of like shocked me when I like graduated college was how little people prepare you for handling friendships. And like, it's just interestingly, like, even in Girl Scouts, like all of like the songs are like, our friends are forever. And like, we'll always have them. And like, you don't even have to do anything. They're just there. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, what's the difference between this and having a boyfriend other than like sex and like physical attraction? Like really nothing. nothing. I tell these people everything. I spend significant amounts of time with them. We go on little dates. We text, we send each other, whatever. We care about each other. We love each other. We enjoy time together. We take pictures. We make content, whatever it is you know, there's really nothing different other than like the physical intimacy and the sex and the idea that your romantic partner has the potential chance to become a life partner with whom you're sharing a home and finances and a life. But other than that, friendships are no different. And at the end of the day, if you choose to not water those seeds and not continue to work on your friendships, if and when a relationship does end, those people might not want to be there for you, or they just might not be anymore because you didn't water those relationships and work on them. And so something that became really important to me was looking at my 
relationships more like my friendships and my friendships more like my relationships. You know, friendships do have the capacity to end. People do change. You can go through a friendship breakup. It is equally as if not more painful than a romantic breakup. And in the same vein that we look at friendships as sort of casual and we put so much pressure on relationships, maybe we should start being a little bit more casual about those relationships and putting a little bit more emphasis on our friendships because being a good friend takes work and you have to be a friend to have a friend. And I think we just like those lessons, they never got taught to us. Like the lessons we got about friends were like, don't worry about that. You'll always have them. And the lessons we got about relationships were like, do this, 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 this. And like half of those lessons are not even good. And so I think it's just kind of, it was kind of crazy to me. And that was like something really important that I wanted to write about in this book and something that I'm really going to focus on in my future work as well, which I'm, which I'm excited about. I've never made that realization, but you're so right that we really aren't taught much about friends. And, you know, as someone who doesn't still have all their best friends that they had in high school, which I know that is true for some people. And I think that's beautiful. But like, as someone who kind of had to rediscover friends in their like mid twenties and, and make new friends, it can seem very scary, but like the benefit of having good friends that are mutual, that you do invest in, that they invest in you is, I think like there are so many times I get more intimacy from my friends than I do from my relationship because they just understand me on a different level. 100%. And it's like the other thing that I find to be crazy with like heterosexual relationships is that when you're growing up, like girls are hanging out with girls for the most part. And straight men are going to hanging, hanging out with like the straight boys. Like, obviously there's like different levels and like straight women do have straight male friends and whatever. And then some people are gay and all the things, but for the most part, when you are a young person, you're like on a sports team with the boys and you're a boy, you don't have that much like interaction with like girls that maybe aren't like blood related to you or aren't like your few like friends that are girls. And then you're expected to share a life with somebody that has absolutely no idea how women function, never really spend time with a girl in their lives. And it's like, well, of course, that's going to be a learning curve. I'm not villainizing them. Like, again, that's what society does to us. But it's like, as a woman, you're really going to need to get that fulfillment from your female friends because you are now thinking about spending a life with somebody who never had female friends, who never maybe doesn't have a sister even, and like never maybe made friends that were girls that was like solely platonic on a deep level. It's crazy to me when you really think about that. It's like, we're expecting men to spend their lives with women when they don't even understand women at all to no fault of them for the most part. And I think that's something that you can do to really supplement your life while you're like, you know, both getting used to that dynamic is having female friendship. And that's just like one of the, many reasons why it's so important and like I don't know men are never going to understand the Barbie movie like women do and like I could watch it with my boyfriend and he liked the movie and thought it was nice and he loved the message and thought it was great but he can't understand why it touched me deeply but my yeah. friends can and it's like he doesn't need to understand that that's not his lived experience so I just think what I'm really trying to get at is like it's really important to have people in your life that share your lived experience in some way and share parts of your identity. And maybe that identity is being a woman. Maybe that identity is your culture, ethnicity. Maybe that identity is your sexuality, whatever it is. That chosen family is like so important. And we like neglect it, like as a society neglect it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I remember I had a mentor when I was 
really struggling with dating saying, you're never going to have an intimate relationship with a man until you learn how to have an intimate relationship with a woman. And that's Mm -hmm. like a really important place to practice that because I can tell my husband like, oh yeah, everything's fine when it's not. I can tell my girlfriend that and they're like, okay, what's like, what is going on? You know, they can see through me far more than my husband can. Exactly. They just provide different things. Like it's not even that your husband it sucks like at all. Totally. It's just like, yeah. it's just like, you're not going to get everything from your husband and you're not going to get everything from your female friends. And that's why there's both. But it's like those yeah. things that you can get from the female friends. It's like, that is like so important. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to take that with me of treating friendships more like relationships and treating relationships more like friendships. I think that's, that's huge. And something that I think the world needs more of is teaching people how to be good friends. It's like, I don't think I knew that going into my like 20s, what it looked like. Like I figured it out by watching other people do it, but it's not something that I think is innately with us. Absolutely. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Your book is out today. I didn't know I needed this. So congrats on book launch day. And I hope everyone goes out and orders it. I assume they can get it anywhere books are sold, but really excited for people to read this. I think it's, I really wish I had this when I was in the throes of like not knowing how to be single before getting into dating. Like I really wish I had this. So, so yeah, excited to share that with everyone. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. This was great. You're awesome. Oh, good. Thank you so much. And everyone connect with you. Can you share your social handles? Yes. So it's at Eli Rallo on TikTok. And then it's Eli.Rallo on Instagram because I couldn't get it without the dot. And then you can find all the information about my book and my podcast and everything else on my Instagram. And I think that's me. Perfect. And I will link everything below, but um, go out and get the book today. I think it'll be a great thing for people to read through the holidays, which can be tough. So yeah, thank you so much again. Thank you so much. It was so great to meet you. So great to meet you too. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.